Hi, I'm Mike, a dad of two wee boys. And I'm Paul, a dad of two little lads. This is Balancing Dads, a podcast exploring how working dads can be present in their kids' lives. Hello, Paul. How are you? Hi, Mike. How's it going? I got a biscuit in my face. That's a good place to store a biscuit. It's been (laughs) uh, three and a half months since our last podcast. No, it has not. It has. And... Apparently, that's what happens when I just noticed the the last one we did was season two, episode one, and then we go and not record for three and a half months. Right. So I I feel like it's, you know, maybe worth some discussion or explanation on why that's the case. So I I kind of put things on hold mainly because I think since the last one, you know, I went back to work. Uh, Lindsay was still on maternity leave, uh, looking after the boys, and obviously COVID happened nursery stopped happening Hmm. and yeah i just partly i kind of wanted to make sure i had as much time as possible to work and help and partly just to be completely honest i felt like i had a good few months of feeling like a pretty crap dad a Hmm. pretty crap uh co-worker and a pretty crap husband i think that's I, i don't know if that gels with your experience but certainly the covid and so much of your you know admittedly privileged safety net falls away and you realize Mm. that without it you you end up just feeling like you're kind of flailing around and failing a bit now did that match any of your feelings and how are things with you now yeah yeah well i'd love to hear more about um how you felt but uh to a certain degree yes i mean it is a little bit different because for you you, I think you had a pretty consistent job. Your your livelihood wasn't necessarily at risk at any point, was it? No, no, no. I've been very lucky from that perspective. Yeah. To be clear, so yeah. So my business has been very much affected. So, um, it, <laughs> it's it, oh, like, the, the joys of recording at home. <laughs> the post the postman has has arrived. Um, just as an aside, this is the first episode that we're recording where i feel one of the boys is somewhat present um i'm recording in a room with a window in it and i can look down like i'm literally looking at the baby as i'm speaking (laughs) but uh that's nice slash creepy (laughs) yeah just before we started recording i had to go and help my wife get him into the high chair because he's hit that phase where he needs to have total control over everything so that leads me nicely back to March, where my business, 90% of revenue evaporated in three weeks, and we had to go into crisis management. And so we built Vito, which is a, a platform for sharing streams and content with an audience. I'm very excited about it. So yeah, so in terms of um, being a dad for March, I was absent. I was an absent father, and my wife had to look after the two boys. Um, but I, I definitely didn't share those, uh, those feelings of guilt. And I, I, I think that was because maybe Kira got caught up in the excitement, maybe. Like I was just running on pure adrenaline. I didn't feel too, too guilty. Is that, is that because I'm a little bit on spectrum maybe that I didn't feel well no I don't know I I was thinking about it while you were while you were speaking and I think maybe the missing piece that I didn't mention is kind of having the options right so for for you like with you know what being an events company and all of a sudden there's no events you know you have 
responsibility to the people you're working with, your investors, et cetera, et cetera, to kind of do something. And I think for me, it was kind of the other way around where I was back at work, but um, my employer generously is like, you know, you can take a certain amount of paid family leave if you kind of need to. But like with just kind of coming back off paternity leave, like it didn't feel like a great time. And there was like work stuff that I felt kind of needed me. But that, so I think it's maybe for me almost like they, they say sometimes, you know, what's the expression about choices being a curse or something. But the fact that I almost yeah. had that kind of hang over me, well, you know, like if your wife has a bad day, then you could have been on family leave helping out. Like, oh, sure. Yeah. So like, and I guess it, it goes both ways. So, you know, and then when I'm trying to help out um, a bit more and stuff like that, and then projects at work are not advancing as yeah. quickly as they, they should be or whatever, then it's, yeah. you know, then you're also thinking, oh, well, you know, maybe I'm I kind of doing the same thing to my employer and not giving them all I should. So, yeah, yeah. I actually think I, I do start to understand what you're saying, because I, I now I'm remembering after those six weeks, we, there was a sort of a breaking point. And, and it was less of a demand, more of like a, a doe-eyed appeal <laughs> that things needed to slow down at home. And yep. we, we, I, rem I don't remember the emotion very much because I'm sometimes difficult with connecting with these emotions, but I just remembered the intellectual need for me to do something. And, um, we, I implemented, <laughs> oh, it's so embarrassing to do it in such an engineering fashion, but, um, I had been in the habit of taking the boys down for breakfast and just sitting with them in the kitchen and it, like it wasn't very engaging so and, and it was also like a couple of hours and um kira wanted to do exercise and she kind of just to keep her own sanity in check and just for her own physical also mental mental well-being and uh she was she she i had kind of said to her you tell me what you're doing and i will figure out so I'll figure something out. Like, just you tell me what you need to do. And so she decided to move her um, exercise from three times weekly to virtually daily. And so I started taking the boys out at 8 a.m. So we'd be in the kitchen for seven. We'd we'd get our breakfast and get ready, get dressed. And then I would take them out at eight. And I took them out at eight o'clock every day for those that, that three-month period or two and a half months. Um and we would just choose a direction and we would just walk and the walks would be very simple. I'd strap the baby <laughs> to me. Um, four year old would have his scooter and we would just walk and we walked to like, everything was super quiet. It was like, it was actually really super nice. Um, we, we, like we would stop into a hotel car park and play hide and seek because there were no cars. Um, we, we'd walk along the canal or we'd stop into a, um, my favorite coffee shop is about a 20 minute walk. So we would kind of time our walk that we would do a long walk and then come back 20 or like aim to, to be at the coffee shop 20 minutes before we had to get back before the baby's nap. And so, yeah, that became the pattern. And then I think at four o'clock every day, I would then take them out. So that was dinner time. And so I would take them out for another hour or 90 minutes. And that could be to the playground. There was an area in the park next to us that like playgrounds were closed, like the official playgrounds were closed, but there was an area with rocks and trees that became the de facto play area in the park. And I used to take them down there and he would, older, older kid would play on the rocks and the trees and like mingle at a safe distance, I guess, from the other kids. Um, and I'd let the baby potter around and just check Twitter or whatever. And, and that, yeah, so that, that I think that 
not necessarily absolved me from the guilt, but the fact that I was able to work between those two sessions and then I worked afterwards meant that I felt I was still putting in a reasonable day's work as well as putting in two or three hours of like de facto childcare as part of the day. And of course, the burden went on Kira um, of looking after them. And yeah, I don't know how she survived, but she did. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, I think that's that's where we're sort of pretty similar in that like for me the burden going on my wife with stuff like that it's like yeah i mean it was um so where we're at now in case it's kind of helpful so i think this is week three with um my wife being back at work and um we have had and i think week two of the eldest being back in uh nursery so the nurseries have, yeah. have opened uh with various conditions here and then the youngest one has a childminder i guess slash nanny who's um a primary school teacher in their summer holidays um who is looking after him during the day so we we basically have full childcare now and we're both back at work full time so um yeah i guess i i just observed since since that like where everyone uh seems kind of a bit happier and stuff like that and just you know it's all it's all good um but yeah but as you say that i i'm the same thing like where you know my wife did an amazing job and if it was just me having to deal with the two of them for three months then i don't <laughs> quite know what i would have done and the funny thing was because with uh child number one i took off his him being nine to 12 months i took that off on paternity leave by myself so if mm. we'd done the same thing this way around then with the expectation that he would be in nursery then it would have been me doing it all by myself um and I guess I would have just had to <laughs> figure it out or something, but uh, but yeah, it's, by, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I think that's the thing. I think it's one of those things that I I find so upsetting and frustrating about it all is that you know you realize how stressful it is and how difficult it is, and then you you realize you know we're really lucky enough to be able to with a lot of these things throw money at some of the problems. You know, <sighs> at, at the peak sense. of lockdown you know, there's not really money that you can throw at the problem beyond, you know, but going an impulse buying a, a trampoline to give them something else to do to buy right. off some energy or whatever. You know, that's the best you can really do. But yeah, it's, I mean, folks that have like much harder like work and childcare situations and stuff like that. I mean, the the thing I you see a lot at work, which I'm glad we're not in that situation, but the amount of people where you, you basically have two parents who had office jobs and childcare and now they're both expected to work from home and look after multiple children. And, right. you know, depending on the age of the children, not even look after, but like actively teach them and make sure they're doing their homework and, you know, all this type of stuff. And it just, yeah, it's, it just seems so <laughs> crazy to me, like how, how much parents have been, I mean, you can debate whether anything could have been done, but how much parents have been just left to, just deal with it you know and figure yeah. out what parts of their life they're going to cut off to to kind of keep going that is a theme though that you see over and over um where <laughs> decisions are made what seems like and I, I i mean i think it's mostly true that it's by, by white working men in positions of power who either don't look after kids or if they had kids they had no part in looking after their own kids that I means this is my impression and all these decisions are made like i um 
been followed. So the Black Lives Matter movement and the George Floyd um, stuff in the U.S. happened during all this time as well, which was um, really like adding fuel to the pandemic fire. Um, but it, it, a lot of it has exposed a lot of injustice um, that's always been there, and but it's exposed it further. It's shone an even a greater lens, even though there's been such great work and so much good activism to expose injustice. George Floyd, George Floyd really set a flame to it. Um, and as part of that, like it, I've been doing this coaching with Kim Creighton. Um, she's from Atlanta. She's a, an activist and a business coach um, and hopefully seem to be PhD. Um, she has been kind of guiding us through from a business perspective. But one of the things that, that comes up is this notion that, oh, racism is really bad in, in the United States. And <laughs> if you follow Kim and maybe dive deeper into, into her work and the way she teaches and maybe take one of her courses, um, she will flag up this podcast called Seeing White. It's, um, it's, it's an amazing podcast. It's by Seen on Radio, presented by John Bewin. Um, and I would encourage anybody to just go and listen to it and just kind of sit back and, and, and marvel at its production value, but also just the story it tells and the, the light it shines on racism in America. So yes, I, I bring this up trying to be as tactful and respectful and in solidarity as, as I can, because we are talking about raising kids, right? And if they don't know about this stuff, then the problem will persist. And so it's taken 30 plus years for me to even have enough ability to articulate this kind of stuff in a way that I feel as Kim says, comfortable with the inherent discomfort of talking about people who have been systematically oppressed for hundreds of years. Um, but now I think what motivates me most to talk about it is the idea that I'm raising or I'm co-raising a kid. Um, and I don't want this. I don't, I don't want that kid to have any of these impressions in the world. Times like this really, raise your thinking of this stuff i guess you realize every time you kind of you know i i find myself complaining about work or whatever i think about the you know the situation i'm in right now and with covid and obviously it sucks but how how we have it so much better than so many other people you know our police service the guardi they have opened the immigration registrations office and <laughs> this person on Twitter, I, I, I'm not sure who they are, um, someone from Cork, at Rivas MJ, um, writes, children, if not required for registration, should not be brought to your immigration registration appointment. All fees for registration is payable by credit, cre credit or debit card only. And so, and so like these two seemingly innocuous rules, don't bring your kid and make sure to bring your plastic. And then this person asks, what about migrants who have no access to formal or informal childcare? And what about those who don't have access to banking? And it's like, yeah, what yeah. about them? I what? mean, but, that, but that's the thing. Even then, you know, even in the, you know, I completely agree. Uh, I mean, even with us that, you know, I, there was, what was it? Uh, we, so we were dropping off all the one at nursery 
last week and the rules say strictly no siblings allowed in on the grounds. Huh. Um, and we had a particular drop-off time and pick-up time and stuff like that, you know, down to the minute. And I was like, okay, fine. So was there and then after it was pouring with rain, so drove there to the, the nursery. And I get there and then was waiting 15 minutes. And again, it's it's not... I understand exactly why I was waiting 15 minutes because, you know, with the, the kind of new drop-off situation and people were getting used to it and, you know, some kids first day back in nursery for four months. So it's going to be, it's going to be slower than normal. But I was aware that, you know, the, I left the wee man in the car thinking I'll be the two minutes and I went and checked on him again and again and he was bowling. Mm. And, and in the end, you know, and I, I stupidly didn't have a, a pram or buggy with me or anything like that. So I was like, well, I'm just going to have to hold right. him. And then I was like, well, it's probably, and then you have to kind of do the COVID-y thing of being like, well, I'm going to have to break a rule here, but basically I can either hold him and take him in or I can hold him, I can like hand him to another parent and ask them to hold him. And then, you know, if, if he has COVID or they have COVID, <laughs> they're definitely going to be spreading it around there. You're, what age is your youngest now? He's <sighs> 14, 15 months. For 15 months, okay. Yeah, so my youngest just turned 12 months and the eldest is almost three three next month um and we're having some <laughs> we're having some difficulties with you see i would i would have expected when they were this age you know the problems might be the the eldest one maybe being mean and that's not based on his personality but almost just like you know the power dynamics and whatever whereas it's actually all the other way around where the one-year-old is now on the move not quite walking crawling a lot standing up and the only game he seems to want to play for all of his waking hours is find out what older brother is doing, find out what he's building, playing with, whatever, and destroy it. Ah. Destroy, ruin, snatch, sure. whatever. And I'm just, I'm, a, I mean, it's, it's, it's going okay. And it's, it's me, it's mainly fairly amusing, but like the, the only thing we found to kind of deal with that is like literally just shut them in different rooms. So oh, yeah. the eldest, you know, if he's building something with Lego or Duplo or whatever, we just shut the door and say, you know, come and get us if you need us or whatever, which is, and it's a little bit harboring because if you're looking after them both by, by yourself, you basically shut him away and sort of <laughs> ignore him and let him yeah. get on. And, and he's totally fine doing that. Um, But, you know, I, I guess I was just interested from, you know, from, can, is there kind of, rules or structure or something yeah. for them both that I have a can Duplo kind of balance specific, this a little bit more? I've got a Duplo-specific rule. Yeah, well, let, let's hear your Duplo rule. My Duplo-specific rule is that Lego or Duplo is for making and breaking. And that's just like a silver bullet for if, if the kid um, if the kid breaks his own and, and he's upset, we say it's okay because Duplo's for making and breaking. Or if I make something and he breaks it, works both ways. I'm that's fine by me. That's fine by me. Legos for making and breaking. And uh four year old before the baby came along, he he and I uh did one of the really advanced uh Legos together. It was a Lego Beetle. One of these like really kind of like the, the big things. <laughs> one morning he just decided to tear it to pieces. And I said, Yeah, it's fine. Lego for making and breaking. And so there have been a few incidents of the baby trampling on his, his Duplo work. And uh, and that, that rule has come in handy. And there have been, I think it has avoided a few meltdowns, maybe. Um, 
And then, yeah, I get the, the other thing is he, he, he's crazy about Transformers and the baby likes to take the Transformers every so often. And he's been pretty good about sharing. Like the only danger the baby poses to four-year-old is uh, biting. And yeah, there, oh, few, yeah, there have been a few incidences. And then it's just, no, 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 we don't. But well, no, I totally hear you that uh, all of the, the love is a one-way street between the two of them. And it goes down from the older, older kid to the younger. It's very sweet to see. Yeah, yeah. It, it, no, it is it is nice. And, like, you could tell that... I, I guess it's probably the same. I guess it, this is maybe wishful thinking, but you can tell that the younger one kind of wants to play. Right. Like, but just playing with Duplo for them is currently smashing the Duplo because they don't know how to build yeah. yet. Yeah. Uh, you know, what's that saying about, you know, it's easier to destroy than create. Yeah, it. you, you <laughs> see that with, <laughs> with a one-year-old <laughs> attempting to play with Duplo yeah. that's been ornately crafted into something beautiful. But yeah, it's, I don't know. A, a, any other kind of sibling tips that kind of spring to your mind that you found helpful with smoothing the two of them getting on well? I mean, I, I make it sound like they hate each other, which <laughs> they, they, they don't. They, they both, they're yeah. very cute and they love each other and cuddle each other and stuff like that. But it's just- I've started, uh, I do baby bedtime and Kirita's uh, little boy bedtime. <laughs> just before the baby goes to sleep, I've just, and it usually coincides with story time in the other room. And uh, I usually just bring him in and just like literally lay him on top of, lay the baby on top of <laughs> And they do, they do this kind of awkward cuddle thing, the, the three of them, and I feel like that's kind of fun, and and I, I feel like they all enjoy it, and there's sort of kisses and things. Um, that's kind of fun, but no, I, yeah, yeah, it, it it's sort of like it's less of an issue the last couple of weeks with with Montessori school starting again because um, in the morning the baby's in the high chair and they're eating breakfast together, and then. By the time the kid comes back from school, he just goes on the iPad for 20 minutes before dinner. So there's, there are fewer incidences where they can <laughs> be at each other's throats. So, yeah, I think I, I probably would come back around to keep them separate if you want to avoid fighting. Yeah, and as they get older, they'll get better with that, I'm sure. I think Although so, the- yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the other thing is that like everything the baby sees the older kid do the baby wants to do yeah and that's so sweet to see well so that's in fact i think it was yet i didn't hear it myself but apparently um he was the older one for us was saying to my wife the other day that like um oh when the younger one's older he'll be able to talk too and seemed like he's almost like quite excited about the the potential for being able to kind of talk away with them and stuff like that, which is yeah, that's exciting. heartwarming. We had, um, when will he be able to talk? As if, as in like next Tuesday at 12 o'clock, he'll be able to talk. <laughs> <laughs> we have not yet put the, the vocalization chip in his head yet. <laughs> We're saving up for that. Yeah. Yeah. He's not a transformer, unfortunately. <laughs> All right, Mike, I think we're back. Hopefully so. Talk to you soon, Paul. Thanks for listening to Balancing Dads. You can find us on Twitter at Balancing Dads. Mike at Mike McQuaid. And Paul at Paul CA. If you like what you heard, get in touch or leave us a review. Have a good one.